0: Okay, chapter five of The Wheel on the School. Chapter five, Pier and Dirk and the Cherry Tree. It seemed that even two different roads couldn't separate Pier and Dirk. They dutifully started out on the separate roads the teacher had assigned them. Dirk had taken the main road to the south that led to the village of Ternod. Pierre had a little dirt road that angled and curved its unhurried way southwest from Shoreham. There were but four farms along the little road. Pierre visited each farm, but it was for nothing. Even farmers, it seemed, did not keep spare wagon wheels. All my wheels are under my wagon, the last farmer told Pierre, and that's where I need them. can't think of anything much more useless than a wagon without wheels, except maybe a man without legs. That was the last farm. After that, the little dirt road went in a long, lazy loop and suddenly ended up in the turnod road that Dirk had taken. Pierre settled himself in the grass He'd wait for Dirk. Dirk couldn't possibly be best past this point because there were a lot of houses and farms along the Taranad road. Pierre sat a long time in the quiet. He wondered idly if the farmer who had said that uh, about men without legs being useless had been thinking about legless Yanush. Wonder if he knows Yanush, Pierre thought out loud. Must be awful not to have even one leg. A shark had bitten off both of Yanush's legs in one bite. That was when Yanish had still been a fisherman like the rest of the men in Shora. He'd been knocked overboard one day, and just like that, a shark had come along and bitten off both of Yanish's legs, boots and all. Pierre made a wide-jawed biting movement with his teeth. He could hear his teeth snap in the silence. He felt along the edges of his teeth. Man, one bite, boots and all. Now Yanish just sat in a wheelchair in his house or yard, and he'd become mean the meanest man in Shora. Pierce suddenly leaned forward and made a cutting motion with the edge of his hand across his legs. He tried to imagine what it would be like to be without legs. It sure wouldn't be any fun. It would make him mean too. Heh, that was a crazy thing to think about, sitting here all by himself. It was so quiet here. He stared at his legs, just thinking crazy things like that seemed to make his legs feel numb and dead but maybe it was because he'd been sitting in one position too long. He hastily changed and sat cross-legged, glad he could double his legs under him. Why, sitting that way made him look almost legless. In a scary sort of way, he was enjoying the numb feeling in his legs, which he imagined had been cut off. He looked around him in the stillness. How was he going to get home, legless? He pictured himself crawling along the winding dirt road, his stumps of legs dragging on behind. He moaned. He hastily tried to make it a little laugh, but it sounded like a groan in the deep country silence. Hey, cut it out, he told himself. That was the trouble with him when he was all alone without Dirk. He always thought up scary, silly, hopeless things. He pulled his legs from under him. One leg prickled with the little needle stabs all the way up. He poked the leg with his finger, jabbed all along it to see if it felt dead all over. He was so engrossed in his lonely little game, he did not see Dirk come stealing toward him through the grass at the edge of the road. Suddenly, Dirk's shadow fell across Pierre's legs. Pierre startled, jerked his head up and glared at Dirk. "'I don't suppose that's hunting for a wagon wheel,' Dirk said. "'Well, I don't see you carting any wheels around,' Pierre told his brother coldly. Dirk had scared him so. "'No, but at least I'm looking, not sitting in the grass.' Pierre caught himself saying, "'Well, you wouldn't look very far either if you had no legs.' "'Huh?' Dirk said. "Pierre hastily changed the subject. Well, I finished my road. This is your road, so you just go on and finish yours. I'll wait here for you. Boy, I like that. Dirk is going wait here. Do you realize that this road goes clear to Ternod? Well, maybe they've got some nice wheels in Ternod. Pierre was paying Dirk back for scaring him, but he was secretly relieved Dirk was there. When he was with Dirk, he never got crazy, silly notions like having no legs. He certainly had no intention of sitting here alone again, waiting for Dirk. He jumped up. I'll go with you, Dirk. The next moment, he crumpled to the ground. Dirk, my legs, he gasped. My legs won't hold me. They've gone to sleep because you've been sitting on them all afternoon, Dirk said impatiently. Oh, yes, that's it, Pierce said in relief. Oh, but that had scared him for a moment. You know, he told Dirk for a moment there, I thought I didn't have any legs you've got plenty legs Dirk said just no sense oh is that so Pierre said hotly but then he grinned man Dirk I'm glad you came along I don't like to go down roads and do things alone I don't either Dirk said but come on let's get going way to turn on Pierre asked we won't get back till after dark and I got hungry sitting here I didn't eat much at noon I was too excited let's run home and ask mom for something to eat Dirk wavered. All right, he agreed. I'm hungry, too, but we'll run all the way home and all the way back here, and then we'll go clear to clear to Teranod if we have to, and we won't fool around. Side by side, they ran all the way back to Shora. In the village street, they finally slowed to a panting walk. The street lay empty and quiet. There wasn't a sound anywhere. Nothing stirred. Everybody's out in the country hunting, Dirk said guiltily, but you had to go and get hungry. You said you were hungry, too. Yes, but not until you reminded me of it. Suddenly, the silence in the village was shattered. There was a terrific banging, rattling, and clatter of metal. The noise stopped. There was a moment's quiet. Then there came a savage, smashing sound. Dirk and Pierre looked at each other and grinned. He missed, Dirk said with satisfaction. Boy, did you hear that rock hit the fence? If that had hit a bird, there wouldn't be a feather left. Wow! Pierre said, "They stood in the street, listening and grinning, waiting for more. They knew only too well what was happening. It was Yanish. The cherries on Yanish's tree must be beginning to ripen, and the birds were raiding it. But as in every other spring, Yanish was under the tree, protecting his cherries. Yana, Yanish's wife, had to climb up in the cherry tree every spring to hang a long rope with pieces of tin strung on it from the highest bough." That would hold her weight. Yanish couldn't do that, he had no legs. From the first day the cherries began to turn, Yanish sat in his wheelchair under the tree to yank the rope and rattle the tin whenever a bird came near. The rattling tin took care of most birds, but not of the magpies. Magpies were bold enough and clever enough to raid the tree and steal a cherry in spite of all the rattling and banging and clatter. For magpies and boys, Yanish had other measures. A little pile of stones always lay ready for the grabbing beside the wheelchair. That was for magpies and boys. Yanish had a high board fence around his little yard. The top of this fence was studded with nails and sharp, jagged, broken necks of bottles. But in spite of nails and glass, the cherry tree was cherry tree was a terrible temptation to the boys in Bear Shora. Janusz's cherry tree was the only fruit tree in Shora and in the whole sea country around and sure a boy or a bird seldom got fruit. That's why Yanush lived under his tree in the springtime. Yanush started to stand guard long before the cherries were ripe, for even a green cherry was a temptation to birds and boys, a green cherry being better than no cherry. But if the fence with its broken glass and nails failed to keep the boys out, there was the pile of stones gathered for Yanush by his wife. On the way home from peddling her bread in the countryside, Yana had to fill the bottom of her bread basket with stones gathered along the gravel roads. Every evening she supplied Janish with another day's ammunition, <clears throat> and Janus did not hesitate to hurl a stone at a boy trying painfully to worm himself over the fence without cutting himself and tearing his clothes. At boy or bird, Janish let fly, and through the years his aim had become deadly. Even Big Yella had failed as often as he'd tried. If Yella couldn't manage it, who could? Yella often told how once he'd gotten over the fence with only one long rip in his breeches, He'd dropped down inside Yanish's yard and for once hadn't been noticed. Yanish had been asleep under the cherry tree. On tiptoe, Yella had gone toward the cherry tree and Yanish, but just then a miserable magpie had screeched in the tree, and all in one moment it seemed, even before the screech was out of the silly bird's mouth, Yanish had been wide awake. For a moment, Yanish and Yella had stared at each other. Then Yella had turned and raced for the back fence. He'd wildly thrown himself up against it, so scared he'd been. And Yanish in the wheelchair had silently chased him. You wouldn't believe it, Yella said every time he told about it. But him without legs chasing me in the wheelchair in that boarded-up yard and never saying a word. I just stood up against that fence and let him grab me. I was paralyzed. What had happened then? Even now, after a year, Yella didn't want to talk much about it. But it seemed Yanish had taken Yella and flung him over his legless stumps and then he'd gone to work. All Yella would really say was, I wasn't scared paralyzed any more when he got through with me. I just couldn't walk. The man, That man's got the hardest hands and he never said a word. Yella had never tried again. Back in the fenced-in yard, the tin began rattling and clattering once more. Come on, Dirk said. We've got to get going. But Pierre stood staring at the high fence back of which Janish was sitting. He didn't seem to hear Dirk. He stared. He stood in a half-stoop, absently minding, rubbing his hand along his leg, and stared. Do you know what, Dirk? he said suddenly. Teacher said to look everywhere, didn't he? Well, one thing, sure. Nobody looked in Janish's yard. Suppose Janish." had a wheel. Nobody knows what's in that yard. Just suppose there was a wheel there. How would you get it if there was? How would you even get in his yard to look, Dirk said. But he was interested now, and stood looking from his scheming brother to the high fence. If Yella couldn't do it, how do you think you're going to do it? Yes, but Yella was alone. We're two. We'd do it together. How? Well, you'd have to climb the fence, Wait at the back. And get my head knocked off with a rock, Dirk said. Oh, thanks. No, you wouldn't climb over the fence. You'd make a lot of noise as if climbing the fence, but you wouldn't get your head above it. See? Then when Yanish heard you, he'd most likely wheel himself to the back fence and wait for you to come over so he could sock you with a rock. But if you make a lot of noise and keep climbing as if you can't quite make it, Yanish won't hear me open the gate to his backyard. Then I can quickly sneak in and take a look around, and even grab a few cherries maybe. See? He won't be near his pile of rocks. He'll be waiting for you at the fence, and if he does turn and see me, I'll just run out the gate. You'll run if you don't get paralyzed like Yella. I won't get paralyzed, because sitting there in the country waiting for you, I kind of figured out how it feels without legs, and how mean it must make you feel and everything, and Pierre gave up trying to explain. He didn't have the right words for it. It was impossible to explain, even to Dirk. Dirk was looking at him. Well, that is a plan, he gradually admitted. Well, if you dare, I dare. Then Dirk started for the back fence. Pierre took his wooden shoes off. Shoes in hand, he tiptoed behind Dirk as far as the high gate and the tall wooden fence. He crouched there, waiting for his brother to start making his climbing sounds. He tried to peer through a crack, but he could see nothing moving in the yard. Now he heard Dirk. Dirk was kicking his wooden shoes against the fence, making scraping sounds as if sliding down again after climbing up. Pierre held his ear against the gate, listening for sounds that would tell him whether or not Janish was rolling his wheelchair to the back fence. Then, at last, he heard the slight squeak of the wheelchair. There was no other sound inside the yard. Janish himself was keeping deathly quiet. Now, Dirk was making the clambering noises again, as if once more he was trying to climb up the board fence. The squeak of the wheelchair was facing away toward the back of the yard. Oh, fading away toward the back of the yard. Pier jumped up, unlatched the gate, and softly pushed it open. To his relief, the hinges did not squeal. To guard against it, he opened the gate no farther than he needed to squeeze through. He had his wooden shoes in one hand. Pier was in the fenced-in yard. The scheme had worked. There lay the little pile of stones near the cherry tree, but Janusz was far away from it. He was at the back fence, staring up, waiting for Dirk to come over. Pierre flashed a curious look around. The tree was hanging full of glittering tin and full of green cherries. The end of the rope dangled under the tree. There was a small shed in one corner of the yard, but there was no wheel unless it was in the shed. On tiptoe, in his stocking feet, Pierre stole toward the cherry tree. As he silently crept under the cherry tree, Pierre kept his eyes on Janish's motionless back. Then his heart stopped. Dirk was really noisy now. He'd thrown one hand over the top of the fence so he could really make the climbing, kicking noises. Pierre could see his fingers feeling and groping between the nails and bottlenecks for a better hold. And Janish sat looking up at the groping hand. Dirk mustn't. What was the matter with him? Now Yonish drew his arm back. His hand came back. He had a stone in his hand. He'd taken a stone with him. He was aiming for Dirk's hand. He'd smash Dirk's hand. Dirk, drop! Pierre yelled. All in the single moment of the yell, the hand had disappeared, and Yonish whirled in his wheelchair so fast it was unbelievable. Pierre stood under the cherry tree, clutching his wooden shoes to him in nerveless hands. He wasn't going to be paralyzed. He jerked his eyes away from Janish and sprinted for the gate. Stop you stand right there, or you get the stone? Janish shouted hoarsely. Janish still had the stone slowly. Pierre turned to face Janish. It was awful to stand there helpless, waiting for the legless man to come and get him. Pierre's eyes wavered toward the gate. The gate had fallen shut. Don't even try it, Janish said coldly. "'That gate is fixed, so you can't open it from the inside. "'That's a trap I fixed up, so if a kid got in, "'he wouldn't get out with me without me putting my mark on him.' Pierre swallowed, but did not speak. "'He couldn't. "'He stood rooted, scared eyes fixed on Janusz. "'Now Janusz stopped the chair directly before him. "'So you two are going to be tricky, huh? "'One distract me while the other robbed my cherries right behind my back? "'Clever, huh?' "'No!' Pierre said desperately. He had to swallow again before he could croak out more words. No, Yanish, we weren't. Weren't what? Yanish demanded. Going to rob your cherry tree. Honest, Yanish, honest. We were just looking for a wagon wheel. We hadn't even thought about your cherries. Say, you're tricky, aren't you? Not only figure out a clever way of getting in my yard, but you came sneaking in for wagon wheels, not for cherries. Oh, no, not for cherries. Yanish laughed a hoarse, mirthless laugh. Wagon wheels. Yanish talked as if he were amused, but he wasn't amused, and that laugh wasn't a laugh, it was a threat. It was scarier than if Yanish had ranted and raved and cursed. Now Yanish leaned forward and looked hard at Pierre. Say, you're one of the twins, aren't you? You two do everything together, don't you? Well, all right, fine. Then you've got to get what's coming to you together, too. Call your brother. No. Pierre said desperately, Don't say no to me, call him, Janish's big arm flashed out. He grabbed Pierre in one powerful motion and with just one arm twisted and spun Pierre and threw him over his lap. There lay Pierre across the stumps of his legs. Call your brother, no Pierre yelled stubbornly, but it was half a scream. Wait, Janish, I'm coming, Dirk yelled from behind the gate. He must have been crouched behind the gate, listening. The gate opened. Dirk came into the yard. The gate fell shut behind him. Dirk stood before the wheelchair, but carefully stayed out of reach of Janish. Pierre twisted his head to look up at Dirk. They looked desperately each at each other. Honest, Janish, we really didn't do it for, for cherries, Dirk pleaded. Honest, honest, we were looking for a wagon wheel, just like Pierre said. Oh, he added then, I suppose we would have grabbed a few cherries while we were at it. But we came for a wagon wheel. It's for storks he explained. Talk some more. I like this, Yanish said. You're as clever as your brother. Dirk talked, talked earnestly. We want to make storks come back to shore again. We want to put a wagon wheel up on our school and we've hunted everywhere. Then we got to thinking nobody would have dared to look in your yard. And then if you had a whale, Dirk talked desperately, talking and talking to postpone Piers' punishment. And Yanish sat listening Dirk started all over again. He explained the whole project. He told Janusz about the storks in Africa, among lions and rhinoceroses and hippopotamuses. Dirk got the words all twisted. And then he ran out. He had no more to say. Just think, he repeated helplessly, in Africa they live among wild beasts, but here they live right among people. Well now, Janusz said amazingly, if you ask me, living among people takes even more courage. Suddenly, he picked up Pier and set him down. Do You know, he told Pier, I think I'm going to believe you two. Nobody could have cooked up a wild story like that about coming in here for a wheel and not for cherries, so it must be the truth. But now tell me, wouldn't you have grabbed a few handfuls of cherries while you were here? Dirk nodded timidly. I don't know how I could have just let them hang, even if they are a little green, he said slowly. Now there, that's better, Janish told Pierre. You've an honest brother. Any kid would, if he'd managed to get this far. But not you. Oh, no, not you. You hadn't even thought about cherries. Pierre got red in the face. He rubbed his leg awkwardly. Sure, he said at last. But you had a hold of me, not him. And maybe you didn't notice, but I had my wooden shoes in my hand. So I wouldn't hear you sneaking into the yard behind my back, Yanish said. "'No,' Pierce said, stepping back a little, so I could quickly stuff them full of cherries. Amazingly, Yanish threw his head back and roared with laughter. "'That's it,' he said at last. "'Now that's more like it. I was wondering what had happened to you kids this spring. Not a kid after my cherries, just those miserable starlings and all those other sneaky birds. Now and then a magpie, there's an honest bird for you. He's willing to risk his neck for a cherry or two, but not a kid. You're the first two. But I see now, you had wagon wheels on the brain. Well, Pierce said, we almost made it. Dirk gave Pierre a w- hard warning nudge. Yep, Janish said mildly enough. I've got to admit minute. You'd have made it if you hadn't yelled out to save your brother. I had to, Pyr said. I couldn't let you smash his hand. Did you think I would? Janish said, startled. No, kid, I'm afraid I think too much of hands and legs to want to smash anybody's. "'Say, is that what you kids tell each other about me?' Pierre was embarrassed. He looked down and stared hard at the wheel of Janish's chair. "'Storks, huh?' Janish abruptly changed the subject. "'Now there's an honest bird for you, too. "'And no mean cherry robber. "'I would like to see storks sailing over the roofs of shore again, "'but not a wagon wheel anywhere, you say? "'Well, I haven't got one for you either. "'All the wheels I've got are on this chair. "'Hey!' He suddenly yelled at Pierre, "Don't look at that wheel so hard! You weren't thinking of robbing a poor legless man of a wheel off his wheelchair, were you?" "They're too small," Pierre said promptly. Yanish laughed. "So you were thinking about it?" Pierre came a little closer. "Yanish," he asked earnestly, "were both your legs bitten off by a shark in one bite?" Yanish looked startled. "Is that what you kids tell each other about me?" he demanded. Pierre flushed. Dirk nudged him warningly from behind. But Peter could only plunge on now. Yes, he said, and they say that what's make, that's what makes you so mean. Suddenly he realized what he'd said. Not that I, well, I know I'd be mean too without any legs, he said, red to the roots of his red hair. I thought about it, and I sort of think I know just how it feels, and his voice faded away. He had no words for it. It would be silly to explain to Janish the make-believe scary things he had imagined at the side of the road. "'Oh, you do,' Janusz said. "'He looked strangely at Pierre, "'You're an odd one, so you'd be mean, too. "'Well, maybe I wouldn't feel so mean "'if they had been bitten off by a shark. "'That would be something to think back on "'and sort of boast about. "'But it wasn't a shark. "'My legs were bitten off by a mosquito.' "'Dirk laughed an unbelieving little laugh. Pierre goggled the man. "'Honest,' Janusz said simply. "'One little miserable mosquito bit me one night, both legs, while I was sleeping, "'and I might have scratched the bites and got blood poisoning, "'and I didn't go to a doctor—sort of scared of doctors, I guess— "'and then they had to cut them off.' "'Oh, golly, yush, Dirk said. "'But Pierce suddenly turned and hurried to the cherry tree. "'When he gave the rope a sudden yank, the whole tree flashed and clanked and yangle- jangled. "'I always wanted to do that,' Pierce said in an odd, strangled little voice. Then he came back to Janusz's chair. "'You really wouldn't have smashed Dirk's hand with that rock, would you?' he demanded. The man glared at him. "'You kids tell each other that. No, I wouldn't. All I wanted was to see his face coming over the wall with me sitting there ready with a rock. No, I think too much of hands and arms and legs. It's just some little queer fun I have, scaring birds and making kids' slivers turn over. And it's a little, it's a little something.' Then Pierre stepped solemnly before him and said, I don't like your story about the mosquito, and it doesn't tra- sound true like the shark. Didn't he say, Dirk, that if a shark had bitten off his legs, he wouldn't be mean? Yonush isn't mean. Oh, golly, no, Dirk said fervently. Yellow must have made a, up a lot of it, he told Pierre, just to show us how brave he was. But the man was looking oddly at Pierre. So you wanted to be a shark? I'd have, a, I'd have a right to be mean if it had been a mean, lousy little mosquito, but since it was a man-sized shark, I've got no call to be mean? Is that it? Pierre looked right at Janish and nodded and nodded. I guess so. I guess that's the way it must be, because you aren't mean at all. Don't you think so, Dirk? Oh, golly, yes, Dirk said. They stood there a little awkwardly, not knowing what more to say. They turned toward the gate... A little red-faced and uneasy, they started to move off. "'We've got to hurry and look some more for a wheel,' Pierre explained. Then he and Dirk turned back to the gate. The gate had opened wide before them. Yanish laughed. "'Rig that up with ropes, too,' he said proudly. The boy stood there, wanting to tell Yanish things, but finding no words to express the amazing surprise inside of them. Yanish had become real. He had become a part of their village.' He wasn't a fearsome ogre to be hated and outwitted. Even the yard with its forbidding high fence somehow looked different now. Lena could have told Pierre and Dirk what it was. Lena would have said that it was just that Janish had become important in the same old way that old grandmother Sybil the third had become real and important. He had become a friend. But Pierre and Dirk had no words for it. They still dawdled at the gate. Pierre, no doubt, would have come up with something. But just then there was a yell from the street. There stood Ilka and a soaked, dripping Yella with their arms full of spokes and rim sections. Ilka and Yella've got a wheel. Pierre yelled at Yanish. And that's chapter four, I mean five.